Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, a Spotify podcast named What's Appa? And although they finished book one already, they have earth and fire to go before they're ready to save anyone. But I believe What's Appa? can save the world. Na, 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 na. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa? a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Minju, who read the intro. This is episode 22 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing Return to Omashu. So let's just get right into it. All right. And the very first thing, the title card, we hear a sound in the background. And we hear kind of the menacing motif of the Fire Nation beginning. But we also hear a chime, and it's that high-pitched chime that represents Azula. So immediately, Mm. we get a sneak peek of this Azula-centric episode. And so as the scene fades in, we see the Fire Nation banner over Omashu once again. And everyone is just stunned that Omashu has been taken over by the Fire Nation. Something I thought about during previous episode when talking about omashu is how omashu kind of creates the chinese symbol for mountain because it has like three peaks but Mm -hmm. in this view of omashu the peaks kind of blend together and if you just look at omashu and then these wooden bridges that the fire nation created to get into the city then it kind of looks like the symbol for fire wow that's super cool cool. great (laughs) observation yeah, yeah. My comment has to do also with like the bridges that they used to get into the city. I thought that was a cool detail upon like rewatching, just um, realizing that that was how the Fire Nation actually infiltrated Omashu because there was only that one path in, like um, the Aang gang said uh, the first time we saw them go to Omashu. And yeah, it's just pretty crazy how much it's changed. Again, we see the smoke over the city. We see, you know, coming presumably coming from the pipes and the technology that the fire nation has implemented all throughout the city and it just kind of reminded me of the northern air temple episode where we see technological superiority imposed on the city that was the earth kingdom city that was very i mean basically first the home of earthbending but also powered by earthbending Mm -hmm. that's how they power the shoots and everything and it's just it's just really crazy how much it's changed especially since we were led to believe this whole time that Aang and Katara and Sokka were supposed to come here and Boomy was going to be the teacher and everything was going to be perfect and happy this season. Yeah, so then uh, Team Avatar laments about how they thought Omashu was untouchable, but now it's been taken over. And Sokka says, now Ba Sing Se is the only great Earth Kingdom stronghold left. Yeah, and I just thought this was a nice little bit of foreshadowing pointing to where the season is going to ultimately culminate mm-hmm. because, I mean, we've definitely heard about Bossing Se. I'm pretty sure it was mentioned in The Great Divide as well. It's the Great Earth Kingdom town or city, sorry. And it's kind of similar to how we heard all the all this lore about the Northern Water Tribe. It's the same thing with Bossing Se in this season. And Katara responds, this is horrible, but we have to move on. And I was kind of surprised by this because it seems like a very Sokka thing to say, to be like, oh, we have to be on mission 
and we have to continue mm. with your training. Let's just abandon this town. Yeah. But it was kind of surprising from coming from Katara, who time and time again has shown that she will stand up to the Fire Nation and like whatever it takes. Um, so it was just a little surprising. Yeah, for sure. I thought that too. Um, but anyways, Aang responds, no, I'm going to find Boomy. And Sokka says, Aang, stop. We don't even know if Boomy is still around. Yeah, and here I was surprised that Aang doesn't really react. I mean, he's obviously not happy to hear Sokka say that um, and doesn't really want to contemplate that possibility, but he doesn't react in a very, very negative way, which is really different from the way he reacted when Gyatso was, you know, when he realized Gyatso was gone. Obviously, it was really different. He literally saw Gyatso's skeleton in front of him, but I think just the idea of Boomy being maybe dead is just not something that he's really you know, I think it shows growth that he's not like in despair of seeing the city like this interesting yeah I guess he's not in despair but he does kind of get offended that Sokka would even mention that like his tone gets like deeper he sounds more offended and that's why he says like oh this isn't about finding a teacher it's about finding my friend and that's why he's so he has such a strong conviction to go into the city to find Boomy yeah yeah, he could also just not believe it at all because I guess he knows Boomy. But I guess he thought the same thing about the airbenders not being gone for real. So anyways, yeah, I thought I thought maybe he, he's grown a little at least. So the next scene is going into Amashu and basically Aang shows them the secret passage. And Sokka says, a secret passage? Why didn't we just use this last time? And I thought... This was just totally a way for the writers to get around, like yeah. find an easy path <laughs> to allow them to get into the city. But I still like the continuity. And then Aang says, or and then it's you know revealed that they're sewage pipes, and Aang's like, "That's why, because it's really gross." Um, uh-huh. But still, I thought it was like a little a sneaky, sneaky writers. I thought yeah. here <laughs> they didn't want to bring back Pippin Paddock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pippin Padalopsicopolis the third. Bozo. Bo. I forget his first name. Um, <laughs> not Bozo, probably. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, maybe this was their little, like, writer's loophole, but then they had to really stick to it, which is how we got the whole zombie plot that we're going to yeah, see unfold. Yeah. Maybe this is just how it all started. Yeah, <laughs> they need to creative. get into Amashu somehow. Yeah. So then they're able to get inside, and Sokka emerges looking, you know, with all the goo on him and everything. And I thought he looked a lot like Plasmus from Teen Titans, which is that giant goo monster oh, the from Teen monster. Titans. Yeah, the goopy monster, oh. the sludge monster, which is literally what Sokka is right now. Yeah, and then so they don their disguises and Sokka and Katara once again have their cloaks that they wore during the Fire Nation Festival in the Deserter episode. And mm-hmm. once again, Aang is without a disguise. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He's so not careful about it. And then a soldier goes, hey, what are you guys doing out past curfew? And Katara says, sorry, we were just on our way home. And then the soldier asks, what's wrong with Sokka? Because he has all these purple pentapi marks on him. And um, Katara says, oh, he has pentapox and says, it's highly contagious and deadly to get the soldiers to go away. (laughs) Yeah, man, some quick thinking from Katara again. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm, I'm notice- We're noticing all the times when Katara is just really quick on her feet. And there actually are quite a few. Yeah, exactly. I feel like she definitely doesn't. That's not the first thing you think of when you think Katara. But, you know, happy. We're highlighting these moments. Anyways, I have a fun fact here. So apparently in the novel Rise of Kyoshi, the, uh, the book introduces Septapox as a real illness that's in the Avatar universe. 
this is perhaps what people confused with pentapox in this episode. So when everyone's like, yeah, I think I've heard of that. Didn't your cousin Chang have that? It might have been septapox instead of pentapox. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> And then finally Sokka pretends to act really sick and then the soldiers are like, get away, and they run. Yeah, I don't know. I think Sokka's acting was very unconvincing. <laughs> I don't know how the soldiers fell for that because he looks at Katara and he's like, oh, <laughs> I'm so sick. You know, like it's very unconvincing. Anyway. That's yeah. funny. What, what was the other? I feel like we've mentioned somebody else who's really bad at acting. Oh, oh, oh. This is, um, it was the episode with Haru when Katara was like acting like she was an oh, earth bender. Yeah, earth so bender. guess yeah. it runs in the family. <laughs> Indeed. Another thought I had here is like, wow, touching random animals, contracting viruses from them. This episode's exactly like 2020. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought it would be possible? Uh This is actually the start to the pandemic in the Avatar world. Aang (laughs) never gets to the Fire Nation. Ozai just dies from COVID. (laughs) Bio-warfare. So then it cuts to Azula's ship. And this is the first time we see her in all her regality. And the scene opens with Azula's theme. Yeah, and I guess this is just the second time we're hearing it. I mean, second episode we're hearing it. And I feel like because we talked about it last time, I just noticed it a lot more. And it is so chilling. It's very ghastly almost. That's how I feel. I feel like there's like a ghost mm. passing through because it's so shrill and stuff. Um, anyways, yeah, so it's like super striking, the difference actually. Also, I just want to point out, this doesn't really mean anything, but there is a full moon in the background. Mm. Doesn't really have any consequences at all in this episode, but maybe it just makes it even more menacing. Princess Yue is always watching. (laughs) 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 Then we meet Lonely again, and they say, when tracking your brother and uncle, traveling with the royal procession may no longer be an option. It may no longer be wise if you hope to keep the element of surprise. <laughs> um, I just want to make a comment here that I feel like in the beginning, they're this super creepy, almost kind of like the fates from Greek mythology, mm-hmm. talking and cryptic uh-huh. rhyming and everything. Um, but yeah, as we know, as the show progresses, they just they end up being these like like almost like very human like we can empathize with them like they look at each other when zula is saying some crazy stuff but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah just want to oh and then I, that's such a good point they are really intimidating here but then i'm just thinking of the scene in the beach where they're like let's go to the beach and they both like take <laughs> yeah. off their clothes and oh i'm like God. how are these the same so people disturbing. i know i know <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we get to know them in such a different way <laughs> Anyway, this is finally when Azula reveals that she needs to assemble her small and elite team to catch the Avatar. Ooh. So then we flash to the first scene with Mei, who will soon become part of this small elite team. And she's just walking around Omashu and she's like, there really is no fathoming the depths of my hatred for this place. I think, I don't know. I think that was a bad impression. But anyways, um, I just thought... How we were saying, you know, Avatar does a great job of really setting the tone for all the new characters that they introduce. I thought this was just the perfect opening line. It's short. It's like literal. It's just as emo 
as possible. Um, and yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool that they did that so quickly. Yeah, totally agree. And then we see um, some Earth Kingdom people who are kind of on this building above May and her family, and they're planning to take them out. And then Aang sees this Earthbender shoot rocks down at May and her family in an assassination attempt, pretty much. And he just airbends the rocks away. And then May gets suspicious. And then her mother yells, the resistance! And May, like, smiles, because finally something exciting is happening. And then she sends her little arrows flying at Team Avatar. Yeah, and then there's this fight sequence um, between May and Team Avatar. And just one thing that I thought was kind of funny is when May is running at Team Avatar... <laughs> they kind of have this like blue and white flash background behind her mm-hmm. and her arms are like behind her back and she's kind of this ninja person because yeah. she throws these like darts um and it totally looks like a scene out of an anime like naruto or something yeah it it's looks like the funny. naruto run where she has her arms behind her and everything yeah it was very anime and then May shoots more arrow or dagger things, her weapons at Katara. And I notice in this close-up shot that she also has long fingernails, just like Azula. And so it's just, again, kind of milking this evil witch archetype. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Burn her! I also read somewhere that May is the only character in the Avatar universe to wear nail polish. And I'm not sure if it's in this episode or it's later in... Um, season two but i guess it goes along with her emo personality you know Mm, yeah her dark her nails are like a dark red or something very yeah of course very dramatic um yeah and then team avatar is starting to run away but then they get pulled underground by the resistance so then we flash to the second or the third member of the elite group which is ty lee and the scene begins upside down um which is, I thought was really cool. Like Joyce just said, mm-hmm. May's first line really characterizes her. Like the scene starting upside down really characterizes Ty Lee and it's a really creative way to get that started. Yeah, um, I like that. And Azula says, Ty Lee, could that possibly be you? And Ty Lee's doing a handstand <laughs> on her fingertips, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's so crazy. Um, And then just a really quick comment here is that I read this afterwards um, that people were saying online to pay attention to Ty Lee and May's expressions when they first reunite with Azula. And for a split second, I mean, so we see in the upside down shot, we see Azula walking into the frame. But then when it flashes to Ty Lee's face for a split second, she looks like not happy. But then she smiles like like half a second Mm -hmm. after that so uh, i had to go back and rewatch it to catch it but yeah i mean clearly she doesn't like azula um (laughs) you know um so that was cool very cool yeah um and azula asks her tell me what is the daughter of a nobleman doing here certainly our fathers didn't send us to the royal fire academy for girls to end up in places like this yeah and then i thought wow you know azula and her elitism like it's just even she's even expressing it towards her friend so it just highlights that aspect of azula's character again um but i also just thought it was cool seeing azula in her element i mean i just think this whole episode is kind of cool because she's assembling her squad and it's just cool to see her with kind of her people and just being normal you know interacting with other girls her age um it's just very different from the last episode where azula was tracking down Zuko and Iroh completely in monster beast assassin mode like the whole time. 
Um, and then Azula asks Tylee if she wants to join her on the mission to track down Zuko and her uncle. And Tylee says, I would love to, but the truth is, I'm really happy here. I mean, my aura has never been pinker. <laughs> yeah. When she said this, I kind of thought like, wow, Tylee is very AVG here. Kind of reminds me of like when some of my friends are like, what is your sign? And they pull out CoStar and they're like, oh, it's a rising moon falling something today. <laughs> You know? I, I think you completely messed that up, Justin. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. She should. I wish she mentioned her horoscope uh, at some point during the series. It would really be cher- the cherry on top. And Azula says, I'll take your word for it. Well, I wouldn't want you to give up on the life you love just to please me. Of course, before I leave, I'm going to catch your show. And Tylee's like, sure, but she looks super scared and nervous. Yeah. And this is how we see Azula, how she strikes fear into every every single living being, including her closest friends. Yeah. <laughs> and uh. that's just who she is. And then Sokka's carrying out his plan. So they're all marking everybody up with these pentapox markings. And Sokka's like, you got to act sick, too. You got to sell it. Like, he's the one who should be giving everyone acting advice. Um, But then he says, okay, everyone, into sick formation. And I thought, you hear that, Beyonce? Sokka did it first. (laughs) Yeah, and then this is what you guys were talking about after, which is where Aang leaves the crowd and says he's not going with them because he needs to find Boomy. So then we see the scene where everyone's escaping the city and we see all the Fire Nation soldiers looking on as all the zombie people leave. And I just want to point out that one of these guys is foaming at the mouth. <gasps> the so real foaming mouth. foaming mouth guy. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Um, That's pretty cool if you can do that on command. You can be like, oh, I'm pretending I'm sick. Let me just foam at the mouth. Like, that's a pretty cool ability. Foaming, bending, foam bending. Or Kyoshi Island has a latent case of pentapox. <laughs> yeah. Septapox. Pentapox. Yeah. It's real. It's real, guys. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, yeah, another funny thing I noticed was that one guy pretends to faint in the background. He literally just oh, yeah, tips and falls funny. over. So <laughs> yeah. good. So good. Really, they should yeah. have been giving acting lessons to Sokka. Also, Sokka is at the front of the crowd wearing the complete wrong clothes and everything. So bad bad actor real bad actor and so up above on the royal terrace uh, may's family sees what's going on and the governor says drive them out of the city but don't touch them we have to rid the city of this disease and yeah i feel like the governor is depicted kind of as a dunce in this episode kind of plays right along into the hands of of team avatar yeah, so then uh, because Aang left to go find Boomy without feeding Momo, uh, Momo is out here on his own adventure looking for food. And he finds it at the governor's palace, uh, whose name is Ukano, uh, which, you know, I read on the Avatar Wiki, by the way. Not that that's important at all, because he's super not important throughout the rest of this show, at least. Um, but yeah, I just, I cannot believe that Aang didn't take the time to feed Momo. And I just thought this was another, he, this is animal abuse. And yeah. that must be against one of the monk, I don't know, principles or tenets. So really, Aang is canceled. <laughs> I, I will point out that in the scene right before this, he did just free Flopsy, who is basically a slave and 
doing manual labor, so maybe it cancels out there. Momo really, like, not feeding Momo is the reason why everything got messed up this episode, so. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps. Um, So anyway, Momo's super hungry. Momo sees some food in the window in the governor's palace. And just some cool, a cool tidbit here. The berries that Momo finds and ends up eating are bakui berries, Mm. which are which were actually mentioned in the previous episode when Ira was poisoned with the white jade plant. And he was like, oh, we need to find bakui berries there. They're the, they're the cure. Um, and here there actually are bakui wow. berries. So some cool continuity. That is really cool. Um, yeah. And then May's brother, Tom Tom, is actually in the same room and then grabs onto Momo's tail and this wild chase ensues uh, with Tom Tom being obsessed with Momo. <laughs> Very cute. A wild lemur chase, if you can call it that. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) So we flash back to the circus real quick. And the ringleader, whose name is Shimuzu, says that, you know, they're honored to have Azula at the show and and tells her to tell us if there's anything we can do to make the show more enjoyable. Um, One tidbit real quick is... This is actually the same circus that Appa is sold to in Appa's Lost Days, which I had never made that connection, but I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but anyway, Azula says, uh, wouldn't it make it more interesting if you remove the net? And then, you know, they're like, uh, we don't want to. And then Azula's <laughs> like, oh, I know. Set the net on fire. And she sets the net on fire while Tylee is performing right above it. And this is something that always stuck with me like this scene i always remembered even though that this is mostly a forgettable episode i think i did always remember this because wow it like it just shows you how azula as i said before like leads with fear and it's just so like callous and, and doesn't doesn't care about anything she's she knows that she can strike fear into anyone and that's how she'll get what she wants so this this stuck with me the next scene is back to Team Avatar, and Aang returns to the team uh, with Flopsy and says they couldn't find Boomy. And then the leader, uh, Yang, of the Resistance, says, oh, but we do have an extra, this baby. And then Tom Tom is grabbing onto Momo, and I thought, Mo baby. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest or Or Tom Mo Tom Mo, or Mo Tom Mo Tom. Whoa. Uh, they are cute though <laughs> it's very one-sided however <laughs> <laughs> then it cuts back to the circus after the performance azula drops off some flowers for Ty Lee, um and they're black flowers Ooh. yeah <laughs> oh that's yeah. wild and then azula says one exquisite performance i can't wait to see how you you'll top yourself tomorrow um and then Tylee says there won't be a show tomorrow. And then she says, the universe has been giving me strong hints that it's time for career change. I want to join your mission with like like an ear-to-ear grin. And <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought was... like, wow, Tylee is really good at lying to Azula's face. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and Azula's like, you know, when she claims she's a people person. Yeah, I wonder if she knows or if Tylee's just really good at playing this fake friend. Wow, who's who's smarter? Oh, I think that's I yeah. read something online too that's just, you know, 
Tylee is smarter than she looks, right? Like, I feel like she mm-hmm. is able to fool. She really is able to fool Azula. Oh, and then I read something where um, on Tylee's character wiki, but she's the only character that Azula ever apologizes to, I think, in the beach. Um, when she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just at this party feeling very, like, insecure. So, wow. yeah. Maybe Tylee yeah. has Azula wrapped around her finger a bit, too. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. That's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Tylee's <laughs> the one orchestrating everything. Um, yeah. So then the next scene is Azula and Tylee going to find May. And so they find her and Tylee just goes up and hugs May right away. And May says, I thought you ran off to and joined the circus. You said it was your calling. Um, not that enthusiastically as I just read it. <laughs> but um, I also read this on the wiki, which I thought was fascinating but this is also a clue that Tylee is clearly closer to May because in the beginning of the episode Azula had to track Tylee down and it's clear that they never discussed that Tylee was going to join the circus because she had to go find Tylee Mm. and then she was like what are you doing here and then here May clearly already knew that Tylee was going to go join the circus so uh, I think it foreshadows yeah it's really cool so it foreshadows the boiling rock episode in season three where tylee ultimately defends may because they were the closer friends all along um so very interesting i thought um (laughs) also just some fun facts about may may is apparently the cantonese pronunciation of may which means sleeve of a robe in chinese apparently um and it's pronounced in cantonese my or something like that um and the sleeve of her robe is exactly where she conceals her weapons so maybe that's some of the inspiration there and then another fun fact is that may's hairstyle is based on the chinese traditional hairstyle called ox horns uh which is where her hair is bunched up and tied into two buns and then the rest of her hair falls uh past her shoulders so yeah anyways um Azula asks May to join her mission, and before May even hears what it is, she goes, count me in. Anything to get me out of this place. And then uh, the governor... I really like your May impression. Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Uh, And then the governor explains to Azula that, oh, it's a difficult time, because they're about to make this trade to get TomTom back from the resistance. So just some fun facts about TomTom's voice actor. Her name is Tara Strong. And she was Toilet Sparkles on My Little Pony and also Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls. <gasps> Wait, what? Yeah. Wow. The more you know. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Also, I yeah. guess I guess she's playing a little baby boy here. But I guess really, mm-hmm. what's the difference yeah. when you're a baby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone has watched Teen Titans Go, she's also Raven. Teen Titans so, Go. Why would you ever watch that yeah, monstrosity of a true. show? I'm <laughs> kidding. I haven't seen it, but like, why would they make that after? Yeah, it's pretty show? bad. Don't don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, and then Azula just goes off at the governor, and she says, "What did you expect by just letting all the citizens leave? My father has trusted you with this city, and you're making a mess of things." And then Azula says, "May is going to handle the trade," and then also announces that she's renaming Omashu to the City of New Ozai. And I just thought this hurts real bad, especially because we just learned about the naming of the city, how it was a home of earthbending, and just in the next episode, everything gets turned on its head. And uh, she can also just she also just announces this change with a drop of a hat, 
and it happens. Yeah. So she's, <laughs> yeah, she just has so much power. So the next morning uh, is the day of the trade. And so we see Azula, May, and Tylee show up on one side, and we see Sokka, Aang, and Katara with the baby on the other side. And the scenery here is basically a bunch of scaffolding uh, as they're constructing a new statue of Ozai um, and some other Fire Nation stuff. And this scenery actually looks very similar to the scaffolding that's in the pilot episode, uh, if you guys have seen that. Um, so I guess they did end up getting some reuse from the pilot because it, it's, it's super similar. And was when, for example, Azula rides on one of the construction thingy wires, like that's that happens in the pilot as well. Oh, so. it does. Yeah, great point. So check out the unaired Avatar pilot on YouTube on Think on their official YouTube channel if you haven't seen it. And then we see Boomy lowered in his metal sarcophagus um, and, you know, they're, they're ready for the trade. And Azula says, hmm, we're trading a two-year-old for a king, a powerful earthbending king. Uh, yeah, and just some details <laughs> in this scene is when yeah. she says a powerful earthbending king, she turns back to look at Boomy, who's behind them. And Boomy's just nodding with this giant smile. Yeah. <laughs> and then after she says powerful earthbending king, he goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so hilarious. He's crazy. And Zula's like, it just doesn't seem like a fair trade, does it? And then May's like, yeah, the deal's off. Yeah, I always thought that she seems so evil here that she doesn't care that her brother, she's not getting her brother back. And I don't know, I feel like she never had like any redeeming actions or qualities to kind of bring her back from this point in time. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's honestly pretty fair. But... In, I guess, maybe in her defense, although, like, <laughs> I think it is kind of indefensible, maybe in her defense, they still don't know that Aang is the Avatar, and then they're like, who are these other two randos, right? So maybe they're so overconfident in their, their abilities that they're just like, oh, we can wipe these guys out and take take the brother and, you know, it'll be fine. But Yeah, I kind of think that's what they're thinking. Um, yeah. Because for some reason, they don't know Aang is Aang, which doesn't make any sense. Um, so he never changes his clothes. But um, yeah, I. but no, it is, I thought the same thing. I was like, wait, May is just going to say bye-bye to her brother? And then I thought, well, maybe there's some family drama here because Tom Tom is so much younger than her. She's a full-fledged uh, yeah. teenager. Maybe she didn't want her parents to have another kid, you know? So she, like, <laughs> low-key hates Tom Tom. Or maybe maybe that woman is actually her stepmother and not her real mother. Or, you know, maybe the governor went and found somebody else. I mean, this isn't true. Afterwards, on Avatar Wiki, it's clear that it's her mom anyways i was just theorizing about how the hell she just doesn't care about all about this kid um i think that's like excusable <laughs> if you're eight years old yeah. yeah but she's clearly much older than eight yeah and yeah. conscientious yeah she's also crazy. this is clearly azula's idea that may went along with and so another thing we learned about azula is azula doesn't give a damn about babies but are we surprised no <laughs> nope and so the deal's off, and so Boomy is going back up again, and Aang tries chasing him, but as he does so, his head covering falls off, and they finally realize, oh, it's the Avatar. <laughs> and so Azula goes after him, and Aang starts blowing on Boomy's chain, and then it starts freezing. Yeah, and I thought this was so crazy, uh, because 
he's water bending, but with his breath. And so Aang somehow already knows that he can bend this water inside of him. I feel like that's similar to kind of, I, I don't really know. I think that's actually how Hama realizes when she's in her prison cell and she breathes or something um, or exhales and it's cold. I don't really know. Anyways, I thought this was a hmm. who needs Hama moment. <laughs> I actually, can teach it. I, sh- I actually thought it was just airbending because even with airbending, I assume you can kind of control the temperature. Maybe. Um, yeah. It's, it's a blurry line. That means there's water already on the chain. Which it didn't look like there was. Could be condensating from the air. Oh, if it's so yeah. cold that... Okay, yeah. wow. Didn't look into this earth science. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had an interesting thought here, which is kind of juxtaposing Zuko's breath of fire that saves him during the last episode, two episodes in season one here to Aang kind of using a breath of ice. Mm. Oh, the yeah, symmetry cool. yeah so then ang is able to break uh boomy's chain and they fall down and they're able to ang is able to ride boomy's metal cell um down along the mail shoots again so they really love this mail shoot concept yeah. and wanted to use it as much as they possibly could i like it too i'm glad they used it again but i just thought this seems like actual torture boomy is in his tiny little cell sliding backwards uh through all these mail shoots with ang standing on top of his cell uh yeah i don't know i thought it was just like terrifying (laughs) (laughs) um and then meanwhile Sokka tries to run away with the baby and katara is trying to hold off both may and tai lee um but tai lee we see uh jabs katara in a couple places and katara temporarily loses her ability to bend and this is where the concept of chi blocking is introduced um, with Tylee, which is just a very cool concept. And I know previously we mentioned some of the martial arts inspiration behind different the bending techniques, but there is uh, martial arts inspiration also for this chi blocking technique. So there's this one uh, ancient Chinese form of martial arts called dim mak, uh, which I guess roughly translates to touch of death. Um, and it's a technique um, that's supposed to kill using seemingly less than lethal force targeted at specific areas of the body. Um, and it's supposed to attack you know, pressure points. Um, and it's said to incapacitate or sometimes cause immediate or even delayed death to an opponent. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. And there's, there's also um, an ancient Indian style that's related to this also called Varma Kalai. Um, and it also, it's like a combination of massage, yoga, and martial arts where the pressure, body's pressure points are manipulated to either heal or cause harm. Wow. So cool that there is some, you know, historical precedence for this too. Yeah. Uh, it's like the wushu finger hold in Kung Fu yeah. Panda. Kab- yeah, exactly. Uh, what does he say? Kaboosh. I don't. <laughs> uh, he's also a master of this from martial arts. Um, 
But yeah, I just thought uh, this whole scene where Katara is fighting both May and Ty Lee uh, illustrated really well what badass non-benders can do. Um, so hmm. May and Ty Lee both are non-benders. And Azula, one of the most powerful benders, chooses, I feel like she could choose anybody, some other mm-hmm. powerful firebenders, but she chooses these two because they are very great fighters. Um also, I read online that in the Avatar fan universe, uh, the three of them are referred to as Ozai's angels, <laughs> uh, which is funny. Um, yeah, but anyways, I have some fun facts about Mei and her weapons of choice. So apparently Mei got her start in the skill of using stilettos, which is what those little hand arrows are called. Uh, she started when she was bored at home throwing them at her bedroom (laughs) wall (laughs) um yeah also when may is fighting katara here and she throws some of these stilettos at katara and katara is able to form a block of ice to block them this is actually the closest that may's daggers ever come to hitting someone directly so usually she's just using usually we see people just narrowly avoiding them or May shooting them at people's clothes to kind of pin them down and disable them for a little bit. Uh, But here, they're actually going straight at Katara's face. And then she has to very narrowly, you know, it's just a near miss. I guess it's similar to other near misses. But I thought this was also interesting because her and Tylee both use kind of more evasive tactics. Um, I mean, like, May could easily, like, murder and kill a bunch of people with her knives. But I guess, like, she does choose to kind of just pin their clothes down more often and then... Tylee's method is all about cheat blocking. So um, it's kind of interesting. Something I thought found interesting about that scene was Katara doesn't make a shield of ice. She breaks the wood underneath her and then pulls it up to block the knives. Oh, mm-hmm. you're right. It was wood. But then I was like, wait, that can't be possible. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, and then, so... The rest of the fight scene was Aang and Boomy escaping from Azula and then Boomy at the end like earthbends or something to escape fine like for real. Um, and then Aang is just furious that Boomy could earthbend this whole time and then he says, I don't understand. Why didn't you free yourself? Why did you surrender when Amashu was invaded? What's the matter with you, Boomy? Um, and Boomy says, listen to me, Aang. There are options in fighting called Jing. It's a choice of how you direct your energy. And Aang says, I know there's positive Jing when you're attacking and negative Jing when you're retreating. <laughs> and his expressions here are so funny, just like a kid who's yeah. being told off. Yeah. And it's like really zoomed in on his face. Um, and then Boomy says, and neutral Jing, where you do nothing. And then Boomy says, neutral Jing is the key to earthbending. It involves listening and waiting for the right moment to strike. And um, I just thought this was really interesting because I feel like when you think about earthbending the earthbending mentality as we've seen so far, it doesn't seem very neutral Jing-like. I feel like we talk about some of the traits of the Earth Kingdom. It's like stubborn and like, I don't know, uh, like the resistance leader just being like, we have to fight them at all costs. Um, I guess those are maybe some more specific examples, but I just thought because of they're so stubborn and maybe impatient or whatever, um, I think that it, makes it seem more like to become a true master you do have a lot you have to work uh, very hard for it because it seems like it's not in their nature I guess yeah and then Boomy is like he says he's gonna stay in Omashu and then Aang says I guess I need to find someone else to teach me earthbending and then Boomy says your teacher will be someone who has mastered neutral Jing you need to find someone who waits and listens before striking um and yeah I thought this is 
great, very, very explicit buildup for Toph. Um, mm-hmm. Not subtle. <laughs> but uh, I didn't actually realize that the next episode is the swamp. So very quickly we get to meet her. I felt I thought maybe it was still more far off. But yeah, pretty exciting. Just a comment on kind of Boomy and Aang's relationship. I guess this whole story arc kind of reveals that Aang is still not quite over his guilt of not being there for all the airbenders and for 100 years when the Fire Nation took them out. So Aang feels like he has to do whatever he needs to at all costs to do something to, you know, protect the people that he loves and and help help the world out in general. Um, and this is something that's haunted him, obviously, from the very beginning. But I thought this was a great teaching lesson where Boomy's like, and a, a moment where Aang actually matures a lot because he sees from Boomy that no, like you don't have to do, you don't have to like guilt yourself into doing whatever you can immediately, but you you do have to actually wait for the right time and like learn more and become more disciplined and then like wait for the right time to strike. So I thought it was a moment where Aang matures and learns from Boomy. Boomy says goodbye, Aang. I'll see you when the time is right. And then I thought, woohoo! like yeah they're gonna see each other but then i realized they don't they never see each other again in the series because when we see boomy again in uh in the season three finale ang is off on that lion turtle and he doesn't actually (laughs) get to see boomy and so that's like really sad because i was getting i got pretty hyped for the finale finale yeah so then the next scene is back to the Ozai's angel squad um May says oh so we're tracking down your uncle and brother and then Tylee says it'll be interesting seeing Zuko again won't it May um and then May like smirks anyways ah ship tease um and then Azula says it's not just Zuko and Iroh anymore we have a third target now um oh and then I just thought this whole scene Azula is riding in her little palanquin which i learned is what that thing is called um and she's not even making eye contact with her friends as like they walk next to her like peasants and i just thought you know she's make it's like uh it's just too much i thought it was i thought it was <laughs> uh you know worth noting in the final scene almost kind of like an epilogue to the whole episode it shows Ukano and his wife standing on some precipice, looking over the city, looking all worried. And then Aang kind of softly floats down behind them and releases Tom Tom. And my comment here is like, Ukano is such a spineless (laughs) little man. And and here is, again, where I kind of have to fault May, right? Like, you let them keep your brother. You don't follow through with this. Like... If this was the case, I would be so mad at Azula. And he just does absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we kind of see this later in Smokes and Shadow, which is one of the graphics novel. Fantastic one, by the way. I highly recommend that everyone read it. And he does, it does come back to kind of revisit this character trait and how that can be an issue when you're in a position of leadership. But I don't know. This is where it all starts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read the comic yet, but I read a lot of the, like, a lot of what happens with Ukano, and he does actually have a very significant role in the rest of the stories of the Avatar universe. And, yep, he's still this useless man throughout. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I just thought, um, 
despite his spinelessness, it's kind of a very heartwarming scene of Aang doing the right thing as usual most of the time. Um, and Avatar Love is playing and it's very, very cute. And um, and I just have one final comment on who voices the mother. I don't know why I'm saying this now, but uh, it's actually Grey Delisle who voices Azula. Um, she voices uh, Michi, who is the mother of May. So yeah, kind of interesting because I mean, I don't know. I don't think the mother has that many lines, but you definitely can't tell. Um, so that concludes this episode and let's just get on with the rating. Cool. So I'm going to give this episode a three. Uh, I think in general, it's mostly a forgettable episode. Um, there's no Zuko. There's no Zuko Iroh storyline sad um and i don't know if, if it <laughs> i don't have much to say it's just it's not um i don't know it's not particularly we don't learn too much about any of the characters um and it's mostly just azula assembling her squad um and and for those reasons i give it a three yeah, in fact, I also give it a three. In fact, when we were doing research for this episode, I, I forget who, but we had made comments that we had forgotten this episode existed. It's incredibly forgettable. In fact, I think a lot of the worst episodes in season two are much worse than the worst episodes in season one because of this reason. Season one episodes are bad because they're incredibly cheesy and they do things that are over the top. Like, they exaggerate certain character traits to a fault. But it's kind of, like, comical in a way. But season two bad episodes are just completely boring and, un <laughs> like, unremarkable. And that's what this is. So, a three it is. Wow. Uh, harsh analysis, but, no yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I also gave it a three. And I just feel, yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it because I always I mean I'm excited to rewatch season two now because I feel like we are kind of looking more in depth at the character development and I feel like a lot of cool things happen especially with the Zuko side of things um that I probably didn't pick up on as much when I watched it you know when I was little and stuff but yeah just looking back on season two every single time I do think that exactly what Justin was describing which is like it all just like blurs together um and some of these episodes are forgettable which this one is um yeah I just thought the main plot was like okay there's a baby and uh they pretend to be zombies it's just so besides the point of the whole show um and yeah it's not even like we learned anything new because I guess you know season one did all the setting up of characters and everything felt more new then but at this point we kind of know people well um anyways yeah I guess the thing with the baby is like oh you know maybe a lesson is they're nice to the baby even though it's a fire nation baby but they're nice to the baby which means like they're good people but who wouldn't be nice to a baby? Like, I think maybe that's one aspect of it is that, like, they explore the fact that it's a baby, but it's a Fire Nation baby, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, yeah, Azula reuniting with everyone is cool. I mean, Tylee and May are, like, set up to be who they are, which is, like, chill. <laughs> um, but I thought <laughs> missing Zuko and Ira was pretty critical. Um, but I, I would say, like, the fight sequence was enjoyable to watch. So, yeah. Um, and that's it for today. 
Thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed our discussion of the return, not the return, just return to Omashu. As always, we release on What's Up on Wednesdays, so we'll see you next episode for our discussion of The Swamp. If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, be sure to hit us with a five-star rating. Thank you guys again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Flamio Hotman.